For my ally is the Force, and a powerful ally it is. Life creates it, makes it grow. Its energy surrounds us and binds us. Luminous beings are we, not this crude matter. You must feel the Force around you. Here, between you, me, the tree, the rock, everywhere. Jedi, like my father before me. You don't know the power of the dark side. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. Episode 102 of Blue Harvest. I'm your host, Halls Burkhart. And there is no Will Witten this week. He is out of town and unable to record. So I had to call in a little backup. And let me just say, without this guy and his lovely wife, I would probably still be stuck in a parking garage in Orlando, Florida. From the newly launched pop culture underground podcast it's my good buddy and yours a calvin russell hello how's it going buddy it's going good trapped in wisconsin in my hotel went down and uh because i was going to be on blue harvest you asked me to be here went and got myself an old-fashioned uh-oh uh-oh a little pre-podcasting old-fashioned doing it right gotta get the nerves out buddy <laughs> So, if you are tuning in this week, uh, you probably know what we're going to be talking about because a massive amount of information was released this week in honor of Star Wars' 40th anniversary. Vanity Fair had an amazing cover story, and uh, they released some interesting stuff. Um, before we get into that, though, I should give you guys the business like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Blue Harvest Podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Blue Harvest Pod. Email us at blueharvestpodcast at gmail.com. Buy our stuff on tpublic.com slash user slash Blue Harvest Podcast. Our good buddy Evan is working on an amazing new design that I cannot wait for you guys to see. And that should be coming up shortly. And we are super excited and proud to be part of the Making Star Wars Podcast Network. Your one-stop shop for one-stop shop. One-stop. Yeah. One-stop. <laughs> your your one-stop shop destination. Something. I fucked the business up royally. They got a bunch of badass podcasts. Now this is podcasting. Steel Wars, Rebel Girl, Cantina Cast, Idiots Array. Rogue One, Tarkin's Top Shelf, uh, 
first order transmissions in the cargo hold. Go check them all out. They're awesome and, and shit. Go go do that, guys. That fucked the business up royally. All right. <laughs> That's all right. There's a lot of business. There is a lot of business. I don't I don't I don't know how you do that every time. Well, as you just saw, sometimes it goes better than than other times. Um, you got to keep it real, dude. So, first off, uh, before we get into the Vanity Fair stuff, happy 40th anniversary, Star Wars. That yes. is quite awesome. It was uh, yesterday. We're recording this on Friday. So, yesterday, the 25th, was the 40th anniversary of the release of Star Wars as it was known then, uh, Star Wars A New Hope, as we know it today. And it was only released in 32 theaters on that first day. Which, uh, if you know anything about theater releases, that is quite the small number. Oh yeah, what is it now? Like, even for a shitty movie now, it's like 1,400 theaters or something? Yeah, yeah, like a limited release movie will probably be in like 100 to 200 theaters nowadays. Um. So yeah, forty years of Star Wars. Bef- so Calvin, looking back on A New Hope, <clears throat> if you had to pick one moment that uh, you would say is your favorite moment of that movie, what would it be? Oh man, um, I like all the stuff with Tarkin. I don't, I don't know why, but Tarkin's just awesome to me. I was really excited when he showed up in Rogue One, especially to the extent that they had him in there. Right. Uh, but his interaction with Leia and stuff, about to uh, blast Alderaan, I always liked that. And, um, yeah, the uh, twin sunset, Ooh. gotta love that. See, for me, uh, <coughs> I grew up with <laughs> I have more uh, memorable things to say about Return of the Jedi. But oh, that's really? That's just because that was the first one I seen. I think we talked about that last time I was on. Right, but, right. I mean, uh, Oh, and then, of course, you know, the, you know, actually, I'd, I'd probably say the, uh, the later rescue. Oh, really? Your dog, In the your det- dog didn't like me changing my response. <laughs> Make up your goddamn mind, Calvin. <laughs> yeah, I like that whole sequence, though, and getting trapped in the, uh, the compactor there. Yeah, yeah. I would say, yeah. obviously, I would think the twin sons um bit is my favorite um but the one that always ends up standing out to me it's i think the moment i was hooked on star wars because a new hope is the one i saw first uh is the scene at the very beginning when the rebels are all lined up watching the door and then uh it looks like they set off a bunch of roman candles and darth vader comes pimping through the door that always sticks out to me because that's the first time i saw darth vader and i was like I don't know what is going on with this, but this is awesome, and I'm totally in. So that one always well, sticks when, out for me. Even when they show the uh, Tantive Four coming over, being chased down by that by the Star Destroyer, I mean, that, as an opening scene, I, I mean, that's just, it starts it off real well. I mean, that kicks it off. It had never, especially for the time, it had never happened before, never been seen like that before, and... um it's it was just real epic. 
Yeah, I mean, do, do, is there a, a, a Star Wars movie that's got as iconic an opening as A New Hope? I don't think so. It's, no. It's hard to say, like, and I'm, I'm sure some of it's biased because, you know, that's the first one I saw. It's the first one a lot of Star Wars fans saw, so it was, you know, just sort of ingrained in their brain. But, yeah, that's... I've actually, <coughs> there's a... That was one of the things that really bothered me about The Force Awakens, and I don't think I've heard anyone else mention it. I hate that opening scene. It's, I can't stand it. It's <laughs> that, not very inspired, is it? No, it's not. It's a silhouette, and then it shows it dumping out a couple sh- shuttles or whatever. And it's just, it's not visually appealing at all to me. Yeah. I liked all the other movies, you know, you see the the real details of the models and stuff, and it just didn't do it for me. I don't want to see a silhouette, you know, show me some cool shit. Where it is, you know, 2005 it came out. You can yeah. do better than that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you don't have to use models. You can do CGI. You can do whatever. But silhouette, come on, man. Especially to kick off the movie. Yeah. And it, 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 it it's, I don't know if it was just I was so excited for the movie and I was having trouble taking everything in, but on first viewing of The Force Awakens, that the way that shot is set up didn't exactly make sense to me. It does now. I see what they're going for, but definitely not my favorite Star Wars opening. Yeah. When I first saw it, actually that whole first sequence, I was re- uh, that whole, f- you know, the scene, the, the broader scene with Lor Santeca and just the way they... Uh, came in and took down that village and stuff. It just w- when I first viewed it, I I was having a real hard time, uh, you know, thinking this is Star Wars. You know, I was, it it was just so different that I was having a hard time grasping it. And I was like, you know, we're a whole minute or two into the movie, and I'm like, man, I don't know if I'm gonna like this. Just the way it was shot in the dark and all that other stuff. It, it there, there was just something about it that it took, it took me the second viewing to be like, man, that was pretty freaking cool. And yeah, um, I, I was slightly inebriated for my first viewing, so, <laughs> uh, and that, and just trying to soak everything in. Like I just remember, like when Snoke is like, "Your father, Han Solo." I feel like it took like two minutes for that to sink in for me. Like it was such a shock, and then like. Like, you could hear the crowd just be like, <gasps> like it was so dead silent in the crowd. And then a guy behind me goes, well, they got that out of the way soon, didn't they? Um, That's what I thought, too, honestly. I thought they got that out of the way pretty quickly, too. And they made it so completely, uh, to me, felt real obvious that that's what was going to go down. And, I mean, that's that's thinking outside of spoilers and things, you know, and just how soon they brought that up and kind of the way they did it. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and shit on it or anything. I still no. like it. I, I, I love TFA, but um, I thought it was kind of odd that they just kind of came out, came out <clears throat> with it. I, I would have liked to have had them. I mean, they could have saved that all the way to the end, honestly. And I think they would have been a, a little, a little better off for it. Yeah, I kind of I kind of like its placement in the movie as far as when the reveal happens 
because it, it does sort of get it out of the way and then you're just like okay we know he's han solo's kid now let's fucking you know because i kind of feel like you know at the beginning lore santeca tells uh kylo ren uh you can never you know escape your family or whatever <coughs> <coughs> excuse me the line is well, and the, the other thing you know now that i'm now that we're talking about it or whatever is um uh leia's part wouldn't have been shit <laughs> if they hadn't revealed it that early yeah exactly so like I mean, you need that so that there for the yeah for all the stuff between her and han and like yeah, if you take out all her concern for Kylo and all her dialogue about Kylo, then yeah, her her part would have been greatly reduced. So that's oh, a good point. Time, yeah. Um, so speaking of the Force Awakens and its imminent sequel, The Last Jedi, you want to talk about some of this badass stuff we learned this week from Vanity Fair? Let's do it. So, Vanity Fair blew the lid off of some. Well, it's interesting. It's kind of like the Last Jedi panel where you go and you're like, oh, they said so much, but did they really? Mm, they didn't really say that much. But we got our first official released pictures of several of the characters. Um, and we got some information about the movie coming up. They started off, I believe it was on Wednesday. No, it was Tuesday, actually, when they released the cover images of all the different covers. And so they released a Luke and Ray, a Carrie Fisher, a uh, resistance cover that was Poe, Finn, and Rose, and a First Order cover that's Kylo, Hux, and Captain Phasma. So why don't we talk about these cover images first? Um, what'd you think of the covers in general? Uh, there's a couple of them that bother me. Oh, really? Um, yeah. Well, I was kind of disappointed that we didn't get any new costumes for Ray and Luke. I mean, you get a better look at them, but I mean, that's essentially the same thing they were wearing at the end of The Force Awakens. Um, so that kind of bugged me, but uh, I mean, that's, they're going to give us what they give us and there's still plenty of time. Um, the other thing that bothered me was how the Poe Dameron, uh, what is it, Poe, Rose, and um, Finn, they just looked real squished on there, especially uh, Kelly Marie Tran. She's very squished in the corner. Yeah, yeah, I can see why and you're... the smile on her face is kind of weird. <laughs> I don't know about the smile on her face, but... The, I, could I mean, it's not of... weird that she doesn't have a nice smile. It's weird that she's the only one smiling. I mean, you got Finn, you got Finn and Poe. You know, Poe's leaning on Finn, and then she's just kind of tucked away <laughs> back there. Yeah, smile, smiling, looking at the camera, and they're all sitting there, super tough guyed out, hand in the pocket or hand on the waist. You know, <laughs> staring the camera dead in the eye. Right, looking all tough, and she's over there giggling. In the back. <laughs> so, um, that was kind of strange. And then, um, uh, I don't know if you want to get to what is inside the cover, the other pictures, 
but one of those bothered me that it was not a cover picture. Okay, we'll get to that in just a second. Let's let's just touch on the covers um, a little more. So I would but say Carrie looks gorgeous on hers. Sorry to interrupt. Yes, she looks regal as fuck. That's something I wanted to bring up. At least in that picture, I am so stoked on the costuming in this movie. Now, look, you brought up that, yeah, Luke and Ray are still wearing their same costumes, which is cool. We know from both of us going to the Last Jedi panel at Celebration that Luke has a different costume. We saw a brief glimpse of it in his picture. It's a black sort of deal. So we know there's another costume from some leaks from the Battlefront game and some Hallmark ornaments, we know that Ray has another costume that is much more Jedi-looking. Um, samurai Jedi, almost. Which I'm all about. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it would have been cool to see them in their new costumes, but I feel like they may have went the route they did because of the location of that shoot being on top of that mountain. Um in Ireland, where they, uh, you know, they, filmed the they, end of Force Awakens, and they did the shoot in Pinewood though too, also didn't they? Yes, but that 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 shot of Ray and Luke is from Skellig Michael, from what I understand. Oh, okay. So um, I think that's oh yeah, just they the, got the honeycomb thing in there. Yeah, they got the ex- the expanded uh, version of the photo, and it's got the uh, the uh, the beehive. Uh, little hut back there yeah and uh so yeah the costuming of the of leia general organa general leia and this looks great we also know from a picture we saw at celebration that that's not her only costume we saw her in sort of a more military get up um, yeah in front of the uh the little war room table yeah yeah and uh so that's something that kind of, if there was anything, well, not you know, I have a couple issues with The Force Awakens. As a whole, I love it. But there was nothing in the costuming uh, in The Force Awakens besides Rey that really stuck out to me. Um, you know, like, uh, Finn's get-up is kind of plain. It's just, you know, a black undersuit and Poe's jacket, uh, which appears to be now just Finn's jacket. Um and then, um, you know, Poe was either in sort of his cool guy get-up or his X-Wing pilot get-up, um, which are both cool. But, you know, once again, nothing too crazy with the costuming. Like, for all its issues, you can't deny how incredible the costuming was for the Phantom Menace and the prequels in general, like the I feel like that's one of their strongest points or, or uh, strongest, oh, yeah. you know, bonuses in the prequels is their costuming. So, and they had so many costume changes too. I mean, they had so much going on as far as costume design. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there was a lot of all the Amidala dresses and I mean, they had her in three or four outfits. Uh, a movie. movie. Yeah. So it's cool to see them getting back to some some more elaborate costuming. Uh, I really dig the First Order cover because you, you get a really good look at Kylo's costume, his new costume, which 
let's be honest, isn't that much different from The Force Awakens, but it's different enough to where, like, if I go buy a Kylo figure from The Last Jedi and hold it up to my Force Awakens uh, Last Jedi or uh, Kylo figure, I won't feel like, oh, I just bought the same figure twice. See, um, I personally like the original costume way better. I love that heavy cloak. Yeah. I- I'm not I, I want to see his new one in action like on screen because besides the cape element I'm not sold on the rest like the shirt and the pants if you will don't look as cool to me as what you're talking about with the cloak and and all the layers he had in the force well, yeah. is his tunic and stuff the same mm. I thought it looked pretty much the same I know he's got the same little uh, belt buckle thing going on and um uh, I think his sleeves look the same, um, but it, it just didn't look all that different to me. And I'm guessing, since they're showing him without his helmet on and everything, that he's probably going to be helmetless most of the time. And it just doesn't... I loved the Kylo helmet design. And yeah. I don't really want to see him ditch it. Yeah, I, I'm. so on one hand, I can totally see why they want him to be without a helmet in certain scenes because you definitely get a better performance and more emotional performance. But I'm like you where if I had my, my choice, he would be more helmeted than not. Like it would almost be sort of a, a force awakens thing where you see him without the helmet in scenes where you would benefit most from having him able to emote with his face and, and, you know, get the full performance well, him. I don't know about you, but in the theater that I was in, when he took off his helmet, laughter everywhere. <laughs> like everyone was belly laughing when he took his helmet off. Yeah, I I wouldn't say it was belly laughter, but I <laughs> I I got into this thing. It was pretty awesome. <laughs> where I uh, like so you know, Will and I saw The Force Awakens together quite a lot because it was still when he lived in Birmingham. So every yeah. time we would go see The Force Awakens, during that scene, I would lean over and whisper to Will, put that shit back on. Put that shit back on. <laughs> that was like my, my go-to gag. Look, the strongest joke ever? No, but I sure got a kick out of it at the time. Um, but yeah, I'm with you. Now, let's talk about Phasma, because she is also Sans Helmet. Is that right? Sans Helmet without Helmet? Yeah. She doesn't have her helmet on either. Um, yeah, but that's awesome. Yeah. Because we didn't without hers. And I, I think that's the only reason I think it's that awesome, I guess, is that we didn't get that yet. And something tells me. So with all this Vanity Fair stuff, there's something everybody needs to keep in mind is that when Vanity Fair does a Annie Leibovitz uh, photo shoot... It's not necessarily indicative of any certain scene or plot points in the movie. So, oh, yeah, because Phantom Menace and stuff came out. Didn't they have Mace Windu and shit with his lightsaber out mm-hmm. on Tatooine? No, that w- there was a, a, a famous picture from the Phantom Menace. This is probably the one you're thinking of, of Obi-Wan fighting Darth Maul on Tatooine, which, you know, okay, yeah. never happened. Now, with The Force Awakens, there's another one of... Um, Captain Phasma standing in front of Maz Kanata's castle, which also never happened. <laughs> However, 
Pablo Hidalgo, they talked to him about it. And he says, you know, at the time of The Force Awakens, it hadn't really been decided exactly what was going on under all that. Was she a human? Was she an android? But then as... Oh, yeah. I did see that quote. Time went on, and they developed the character and developed stories they want to tell with her in books and stuff. They decided she was a human, so they were cool with showing her without the helmet. Now, that tells me, that quote from him tells me we're probably going to see her without the helmet in The Last Jedi. But I would almost bet that it's going to be probably the opposite of Kylo, where 90% of the time she's probably in the full getup when we see her. All right, so all that being said, do you think, I mean, what kind of story do you think we're going to get out of uh, Phasma's character in this one? Do you think we're going to get a, I mean, they obviously liked her enough and saw the fan response and what have you to keep her around for the second movie. I mean, they could have easily left her in the garbage disposal. Yeah. So do you think we're going to get a significant part out of her this time? I mean, they, and and also, I don't, I don't remember if you covered it last week or not, but they're having the... Phasma miniseries come up. And I know you were a big Phasma fan. Oh, yeah. I'm talking about uh, comic books, by the way. Sorry about that. Uh, comic books. They're having the Phasma uh, little, I think it's a five-issue miniseries from Marvel coming out. Yeah. Um, so, I was a huge Phasma fan before the movie. And that I wouldn't say that went away. But, you know, after seeing The Force Awakens, like, it's like, well, she didn't really do much. She definitely looks cool. It's an amazing design. I think for sure, like, when they were sitting down with Ryan Johnson, they were like, all right, look, one thing you got to do is you got to work Phasma into this more. Um, she's got a special weapon now, according to this cover, and it's like a, a big spear, like a big shiny spear. Badass, too. Oh, yeah. It it's, it is neat. It's just plain enough, and it's just intimidating enough to, you know, would hopefully she wreck some shit with it, you know. But I mean, it's it's cool. I mean, what would you call that? A pike? Yeah, I, I think that's probably the the best description for it is a pike or a lance. A lance would also be a good description for it. Um, and uh, so then it's that it's like retractable. Or something, something you, as well. I can't remember, but if that's the case, that's cool. Like if it's if it can be like smaller, and then she hits a button or something, and it extends to its yeah, full length. That I would be cool. I, I don't remember if I saw that on this or if it was on something else, but I, I, I'm pretty sure I remember him saying that it was uh, retractable. Um, but that'd be cool. Yeah, it would be really cool. So I think yeah, I think we're gonna get more out of Phasma now. If you look at this cast and the fact that they're adding three what appear to be fairly major new characters in Benicio Del Toro, Laura Dern, and um, Kelly Marie Tran, who they've said has the most significant role out of the three, um, I, I honestly don't think we're going to get a ton of Phasma, but I think we will get more than we did in The Force Awakens, and I think we'll actually see her kicking some ass this time, which is exciting. Um, and might I just add uh, congratulations to Jason and everyone over at making Star Wars like this uh, <laughs> this Vanity Fair all these covers and the pictures and the articles basically just came out and gave them a big fat confirmation on everything they've been reporting and, oh yeah uh, big time 
I like to see that because A, they're friends of mine, and B, they catch a lot of shit on Twitter and stuff where people don't believe them after they've done nothing but be correct. You know, oh I, my like, god, I read I I what, two years ago I was sitting there reading <laughs> in like October or something the full synopsis of TFA and everything on there was accurate. Yep. So you, one day those Reddit dick bags will learn. You'd think, but who knows? Who well, knows? Well, it's funny because like half those guys are guys that are sitting there going, "Oh, you know, fucking." We hate spoilers, but they're sitting there reading it. And yeah. then sitting there calling Jason a shitbag for no reason. Yeah, they're sitting there and reading it. Is... And they're and <laughs> yeah. they're using the justification that they don't think he's right to be like, because well, they want some uh, something else to happen. Right, because they've got their own sort of fan fiction-y uh, version of the movie in their head. And then, you know, yeah, it, it's ridiculous. So uh, all I'm saying is I'm glad to see uh, our buddies get some confirmation for all this the hard work they've been doing over the last few months uh, reporting on The Last Jedi. So uh, you mentioned it before. Let's get into the article itself. First, let's talk about all these amazing pictures that we got inside the article itself. Um, Do you want me to start with the one that I felt should have been a cover. Yes, because I think it's going to be the same one I think should have been a cover. Leia and Luke embracing each other. So good. So it's an amazing so photo. I mean, that, <coughs> if you're a Star Wars fan and you don't get the, the feels from this photo, something is wrong with you. Yeah, it's. Go see a therapist. <laughs> <laughs> that and uh, her with her daughter is also amazing, but mm -hmm. I don't feel that should have been a cover shot just because Luke and Leia together on the cover would have made way more sense. Yeah, and the only thing, and, and, and this goes back to what I was saying, is don't take these as any sign of what will happen in the movies. The only reason I could see them maybe not making that as a cover is they don't want fans. Like, if that's on a cover and everybody sees it, you know, at the supermarket or at fucking Walmart or Target or whatever, they might assume that's something that we see happen in the movie. And yeah, as far as we know, they're not going to meet in the movie yet. Yeah, they might I mean, have been saving that for, for nine. I, I hope it happens. I mean, that would be... Man, that might be one of those... One of those uh, make me cry in the theater moments if they actually show those two on screen together. I hope they do. I hope they do, too. I want nothing more not to see guarantee. Luke and Leia together. But as of right now, it's definitely not a guarantee. And, you know, it, it, so if they've said that Leia's story in Episode Eight has not been changed because of Carrie Fisher passing away. So... You know, there, there's no chance of them going back and, you know, if, if it didn't happen. Um, well, did you see the, uh, did you see the quote? I think it was from Kathleen Kennedy. Um, that, uh, Carrie Fisher had gone up to her and pretty much said, I want nine to be a Leia movie. Yeah. And, and, and they pretty much her said reasoning was, TFA yeah. was a, a Han Solo movie, um, the Last Jedi is going to be a 
a Luke movie. This next one needs to be a Leia movie. Yeah, and apparently that was the plan was for Leia to have her most significant, you know, screen time heavy role in nine, which makes it such a bummer. You know, it, it was already a bummer, but it just adds to the, you know, the the tragedy of her passing away is that episode nine, we were going to get a real heavy Leia movie, and, and that would have been awesome. Now, you know, Kathleen Kennedy, I think in, in the same section you're talking about, says that she does have more of a role in The Last Jedi than she did in The Force Awakens. So that's cool. Yeah, and I'd expect her to. I mean, she had very, very small role in The Force Awakens. Um, some of the other pictures perhaps. we got, uh, one of my favorites is the Ray picture oh. with her and the lightsaber. Oh, I love that picture. I think it's my favorite one out of the whole bunch, honestly. Honestly, I, I was going to say, I think it might be my favorite one, too. She's got, like, her eyes uh, closed like she's meditating or, you know, reaching out with the force, the background and the lighting. It's just a really good picture. Um, we get a picture of Ray and Chewie and the, um, the Falcon together, which is a good picture, but it just, it, it's nothing that, like, couldn't have been part of the Force Awakens promotion um does that picture kind of bum you out kind of bums me out it kind of it does kind of bum me out because like (laughs) like, they're all happy looking but it kind of bums me out (laughs) and then it's way um, too empty of a cockpit (laughs) um we get the picture of all the aliens and the fancy people from what is once again a confirmation of some making star wars information a casino city on the planet Canto Bight. So we know that there is some um, fancy ass motherfuckers on a casino city called and on, on a planet called Canto Bight. And man, once again, here is an awesome uh, example of some of the costuming and the creature work in uh, the Last Jedi. My favorite is the guy that's holding the little puppet. That's in like a tiny little tuxedo. Man, well, isn't that um, isn't that uh, shit? What's his name? Um, that's the that's Neil Scanlon. That's that's the um, that's the, he- the puppeteer arts guy. He's the supervisor. Yeah, he's the head of the creature department, basically. Yeah, but that little dude that he's holding is ridiculous. It looks like a little big mouth bass with bulging eyes or something with arms and legs i cannot wait to see that now um if you look over on the right corner like the very far right alien that uh kind of fuzzy but like its face it kind of looks like i don't know a cross between a fish and a frog for some reason that alien reminds me of um do you remember the creature in labyrinth that has the, all the shit on it that just walks around with all the shit on its back. I'll tell you, I have not seen the labyrinth probably since I was about five years old, and I'm pretty sure it scared the shit out of me. Okay, so alrighty. <laughs> <laughs> you know what scared the, the shit movie, out of me is like, the dark crystal like scared a, me as a kid. Oh, dude, I I I saw the news that they were coming out with the uh, with the new. Is it a series or? Is, a movie it's a, it's a series yeah, yeah i think it's an eight episode series or something like that yeah and i mean that was my first thought was oh great cool terrified wonderful 
I did. I did not like that when I was growing up. I actually uh, I just watched all the uh, Aliens franchise this right. past weekend. I heard that on uh, your newest episode of Pop Culture Underground. There you go, people. Our one listener, Haas Burkhart. <laughs> but yeah, I, uh, same reason. I, I, I've seen The Dark Crystal. But yeah, it terrified me. I probably saw about half of it, and I never touched it again. It was, it's one of those things where you see something as a kid that just terrifies the shit out of you, and it follows you through adulthood. That yeah. This is scary. Don't touch it. Um, but um, this guy, he reminds me of... Uh, you ever watch that shitty Mario Brothers movie? I, yes, I have. He looks like one of the Koopas or whatever. That's just giant size and furry. <laughs> okay, I could see that. I could totally see that. <laughs> um, so yeah, it looks like Canto Bite, for lack of a better term, is going to be sort of our cantina slash Maza's Castle um, location in the movie. I hope they don't do it like they did, though, in uh, The Force Awakens. I didn't like the quick the quick run through you know what i mean like the yeah the hand, you don't camera really... through, like oh shit hey look we got aliens in this movie too yeah and you don't and, get a really good look it. at any of them um yeah i agree with you there i hope we get and i think we will because i think canto bite is going to be more of a um significant. yeah more significant and and they're probably going to be there longer than they were on um Taco Donna in The Force Awakens. Um, so I, I think we should get, you know, at least a, a better look at this place than we did, uh, you know, Maz's Castle. Plus, you're you're working with a different director and and things like that. So I can only imagine <laughs> that it'll be approached a little differently. So I got to ask you. I was on Twitter I think yesterday, and after these pictures came out, someone had asked Ryan Johnson about. Why we're not seeing any aliens that we're familiar with? Is that something that bothers you? I mean, his response was pretty much, it's a big galaxy, you know, kind of deal with the thing. You know, we're going to explore different aliens and whatever. Um, personally, I'd like to see some uh, Twi'leks or, you know. I'm with you. Top one of them in, you know. You don't have to, I mean... <coughs> The Force Awakens, they did that whole, like that shot we were just talking about. They did that running shot with like a handheld cam or whatever, and showed all the aliens in Maz's castle. But I mean, we didn't have anything familiar. There wasn't anything familiar throughout the whole movie. I mean, they brought the um, they brought they brought a couple species in and made them pretty prominent throughout the whole movie. Mm-hmm. But nothing from the original trilogy or even from the prequel trilogy. So we had the what's Eloasti? I can't I it's, the name. I can't remember his species name. I want to say it's like but, Abad Abadango or Abadango. It's some, something like that. I know yeah. it starts with like A B. So, but it's um, I mean they showed plenty of those. You know they they built that up. Yeah, I mean there's there's Asti. Like, there's one on Jakku. There's that giant one that's got, like, the robot arms. He yeah, is he, the same species, right? I, I don't think he is, but he looks very similar. 
which is, you know, mm-hmm. kind of a bummer if it's not the same one. Um, I'm with you. I would like to see some familiar species. And Ryan Johnson did use a pretty good comparison saying, you know, when we saw Jabba's palace, we didn't see any aliens from the cantina repeated. But if Yeah, I'm, that's the exact thread I was talking about. Yeah, if, and If I'm not mistaken, I, there is a Rodian in Jabba's palace, which is a repeated species. So, yeah, if, if they could, I, I like I said, I don't want to see every species from the cantina or Java's palace or something recreated and, and just shoved into the scene, but a, a, a Twi'lek here or a Rodian there or a Bith or any of these species we've seen before would be cool. I think. And well, yeah. And that's like, that's like the bare minimum of what you might even call, you know, fan service. I don't even think that would really be fan service except for people have been asking for that since the Force Awakens came out. Yeah. I know there was people that were pretty unhappy that they didn't see anything that was all that familiar. Um, but, I mean, you know, throw us a bone, man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, there might be... I, of course, we haven't seen the movie yet. There there may be a Twi'lek or, or a Rodian or something, but... Yeah, I I hope so, man. I don't see why they're adverse to doing it. And I understand as if like you're coming on to Star Wars and you're J.J. Abrams or you're Ryan Johnson, you want to make your mark on the universe and you want to introduce new aliens, which I'm, I, I want to mix. I want new aliens and old alien species that we've seen before. Um, and I don't know if it's a, a matter of not wanting to recreate some of the aliens because... They wouldn't be able to get the look just right. Like when we see Ponda Baba and Dr. Evazin in uh, Rogue One, like you're like, oh, it's those guys. But something doesn't like, to me, Ponda Baba's head looks almost a little too big. You know, it's, I hate that scene. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's a different actor playing Dr. Uh, Evazin. So that. Yeah, well, was he, on, he was on like meth the day before, and then all of a sudden he gets over to Tatooine. And gained a bunch of weight or what? <laughs> he he used a, a back to tank to get over his debilitating method. <laughs> um, so next up we've got, uh, let's see. We talked about all the cool aliens and the fancy people. Then we've got a picture oh, of, well, oh, what were you going to say, buddy? That's, that same picture, there's mm-hmm. the giant, uh, <laughs> I call him the a-hole horse dog. Not Back a Bothan, there? by the way. Not a Bothan. That's to me. That's what I was gonna say. <laughs> it's so funny. Oh, and this uh, this ball bag with a face over here. <laughs> it's so funny to me <laughs> that Pablo changed his name on Twitter to Not a Bothan. Are the cops going by your place, or are they going by my place? They're that here. That would be your place. Yeah, there's, there's a train going by my place. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't tell if that was me or you because the same thing happens where I live. We'll get a train going by every now and then. Um, yeah, it's so funny to me that Pablo changed his Twitter handle to not a Bothan because he knew. And to be fair, like, we've never had a canonical depiction of a Bothan, but in all the expanded but, universe, they do kind of look like that guy. They kind of look like a mix Oh, they between. look exactly like that guy, <laughs> except for with a little bit more of a mane on him. Yeah, and shorter, because that guy looks like he's pretty tall. Bothans look like they're more 
maybe a little shorter than human height, like average human height, or around, you know, average human height. So, um, how do you feel about this? Uh, <laughs> just right of that guy. You got this ball bag with a face on it. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely a ball chinian. Ball chinian. Hmm. <laughs> What is up with that guy? Does he? Oh no! I was about to say, does he have a hole in his head? But that's the lady's hair that's standing in front of him. Actually, yeah, it's it looks weird. Co- uh, hair. This big blob thing looks like it could be a lady when you look at the face. Who, I think it is. Yeah, who knows? It's an interesting design. Oh well, yeah, and then you got in front of the not Bothan, you got Lady Gaga right there with an eye patch on. Oh, I would be stoked if that was really Lady Gaga. It's not. That'd be pretty awesome. Because I know, I know me some Lady Gaga, and that's not her. But man, that would be cool. Um, still, my favorite is the little puppet. I can't wait to see that dude in action. Hopefully, we get a decent shot of him. Um, interesting to you see. You think they'll have him uh, be a salacious B crumb type guy? Oh, that would be cool. Lap, laughing his ass off. Well, you know what I want to see, since this is a casino planet, I want to see him running like the craps table and everybody crowded around him. And he's like, double sixes, baby. Or, you know, what, <laughs> I, I don't understand craps, so I don't really understand the rule. Like, uh, you know, maybe he's playing roulette or, or space poker. Um, uh, yeah, I don't do the casino, man. I'm trying to make money, not give it away. Same here. Same here. Um did you see this uh, this girl? It's it's the other photo, like kind of the expanded part. That's a you know, it takes place on the right side of the set or whatever. Right. You got this girl over here on the far right that looks like a she looks like a xenomorph, but with a mm-hmm. human lady. Yep. I think it's pretty cool. I think that one's cool. Um, I also like the weird, almost blobby looking alien that looks kind of like the creature from the black lagoon but um flesh colored it's uh you so you see the the lady that's in like the crazy black and white pattern dress yeah with uh, the swirls on it yeah right next to her is sort of a almost fishy flesh colored looking blob type alien um, yeah i like that one too um just uh, about three or four people to the left there's an alien that has a it's got like four eyeballs. Yes, I'm looking at it. Coming out. Is that something we've seen before? Well, it, it kind of looks like um, I can't remember the dude's name. That's got the three eyes in the can. Or is he in Jabba's palace? Do you know the one I'm talking about? It looks similar. Yeah. But I don't I, remember the species' name. Me neither. I, know I don't think that's one of them. The one that concerns me is right to the right of that one. It looks, I call it the Texas Chainsaw Massacre alien, because it looks like oh, yeah, someone... It looks like, a weird, it looks like a weird, like one of those uh, like masks that have no features that people wear in robberies or something. <laughs> yeah, it looks like um, like an alien wearing a human's face as a mask or something. Yeah, it's real creepy looking. Yeah, yeah, that one is real creepy. I don't know what's up with that. Yeah, it looks like those masks that you see at, like, you know, the Halloween store or whatever. That's just a clear mask, and they just, like, kind of put weird makeup on it. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? I do know what you're talking about. Yeah, it's that's very, odd. very uncomfortable looking. 
Um, oh, lucky. So uh, next up in the pictures, we have a picture of the creature shop or the droid shop, actually. And it's a picture of R2, uh, BB-8, and Anthony Daniels in costume as the 3PO without the helmet. And uh, like the droid guys, the droid operators. They, you know, nothing to write home about, but it's a cool shot. Poor Anthony Daniels. That, how much longer can that old fella squeeze into that? c3po suit of all the costumes in star wars his looks the most uncomfortable to me i don't know man they had kenny baker in a little trash can (laughs) poor kenny buddy (laughs) poor kid well and now they've got uh what's his name jimmy v is inside r2 now oh have you seen (laughs) have you seen that dude's um his uh his it's like his imdb photo Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. his (laughs) Is that not the creepiest looking dude? I'm telling you right now, I wouldn't fuck with Jimmy V. Like, if I was out at a bar and Jimmy V slapped Jesse on the ass as she walked by, I'd be like, hey, that's not cool, but that's all I'm going to say, Jimmy V, because you look like you're going to fuck me up. Like, he looks like he'd pull out a fucking, you know, one of those fancy switchblades or whatever, butterfly knives that people, like, flip around and shit. Looks like he'd pull one of those out and be like, try to cut me and shit. Yeah, and then try and sell you meth right after. <laughs> He's he looks so mad. <laughs> looks so mad. Um, after that, we have another one of my favorite pictures, and it's Kathleen Kennedy, Ryan Johnson, Carrie Fisher, and Mark Hamill on the set, and Gary and Millie, uh, Carrie and Mark's dogs are in it, and I just like this because, like you know, it's not a candid shoot. You know this isn't a candid picture. They didn't, you know, just well, sneak up and take it, but it, it's got that feel to it. So uh, about that, did you see um, the, uh, I think it was from Empire Strikes Back. There was a photo to where uh, Luke, I think it was Empire Strikes Back or A New Hope, but it was a behind-the-scenes photo just like this one, and they were all set up in the same exact way except for it had um, – Han was sitting down in the position that Kathleen Kennedy's in. Um, I think George Lucas was standing up right about where uh, right about where Mark Hamill's at. And then Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher were swip swapped sitting in just about the same position. Really? I did not see yeah. that. That's yeah, cool. Yeah, I'm going to have to find out. I'll try and find that and I'll send it to you. But I mean, it's like... <clears throat> Looks like they took this picture on purpose to make it look like that. Um, and they may have. My favorite thing about this picture, besides Gary and Millie, is how relaxed and badass Kathleen Kennedy looks in this picture. It's like, she looks like she's tailgating at an Alabama football game. She's just like, <laughs> kicked back in a lawn chair, like, fuck yeah, I'm a badass, and we've been knocking this shit out of the park. Billions, baby. Kathleen Billions. Kennedy is a badass. I love that lady. Oh, she's no doubt. Forward. She's fucking, she's running shit like a champ. She don't have to answer to hardly anybody. She's just kicking ass. She's just doing what she's always done and collecting more money for it now. So one of my favorite things that came out of these articles, because they put out the big cover story, and then they also put out like some smaller articles that just sort of addressed other things and like little fun stories from the cast and crew. But in one of them, the uh, reporter was asking Kathleen Kennedy, 
about who the last Jedi is, and she would not give it up to him. And she, he was like, well, by the way, I interviewed George Lucas when The Phantom Menace came out, and I asked him, um, hey, who's The Phantom Menace? And without hesitation, he said, oh, it's Darth Sidious. <laughs> and Kathleen was like, no, I'm not going to tell you. It's so funny that the guy's like, you know, right there showing the difference between her and George. But it's also a different time. You know, yeah. back then you didn't have as prevalent of an internet presence. Um, you definitely had spoilers out there because I knew the entire plot to Phantom Menace before I went to the movie. But I think it was a little harder to get your hands on than it was nowadays. Mm -hmm. um, but just really funny. On a side note, uh, while we're talking about this picture with Carrie, the, <laughs> they talk about... John Boyega is, is talking about some of his experiences hanging out with Carrie. And, and one of them, he told her about that stupid-ass reaction some people had to there being a black stormtrooper uh, after seeing the first teaser trailer for The Force Awakens. And this is what he yeah. said her response was. I remember, and forgive me, I'm going to drop the F-bomb, but that's just Carrie. She said, ah, boo-hoo, who fucking cares? You just do you. <laughs> fucking great, man. This is exactly how it should be. Exactly. I mean... So great. Um, all right. Next up, we have you talked about it before. Um, uh, Carrie and her daughter Billy Lord, which is an amazing picture. Um, and I'm glad to see that Billy Lord is is going to be in episode eight as well, and I assume episode nine. You know, even though we can't have Carrie, it's nice to have her there, sort of reminding us of Carrie and sort of carrying on the legacy and stuff. Um, a great picture. Um, hold on. Oh, okay. You just sent me that picture we were talking about. It is very similar. Yep. Wow, that's cool. And then the next picture is both of our probably favorites that we wish was a cover. Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher already will go down as probably one of the most iconic uh, Star Wars pictures ever. Such an amazing picture. They both look amazing. I want that on my wall, dude. <laughs> no shit. Print of that on my wall. Um, they both look amazing in their costumes. Uh, we should talk about Luke Skywalker's leather welding glove. Um. <laughs> So That's exactly what it looks like in the uh, in the trailer when we see that book and there's a hand touching it, it's that glove. So oh yeah, definitely it, confirmed right there. Yeah, that's you know that's really all you can say is okay. So that's Luke, Luke touching the book. Um, so just a great. That's picture. the glove of a J a gray Jedi. That's why. Oh, I see. That's the. The fabled gray Jedi gauntlet. They're going like the Infinity Gauntlet route. Yeah, he's got to collect all the tree branches to put <laughs> on there. And... No, man. He's got to collect the five different colored kyber crystals to put into the yes. gauntlet of the gray Jedi. So there he can become go. the ultimate gray Jedi and punch Thanos in the dick or something. He's going to be omnipotent and he's going to sit there and change reality as we know it. Oh, it's beautiful. Crazy. It writes itself, people. 
Star right. Wars, Infinity Glove. <laughs> Infinity Glove of the Great Jedi Strikes Back. Um, the next picture is our first look at Vice Admiral Amelin or Amelin Holdo, played by Laura Dern. Yet another making Star Wars confirmation. Uh, it's her from behind, and once again, a badass costume design, at least from the back. She's got like, I don't know, what color would you call that hair? It's purple, it's pink, pinkish purple. It's magenta. Magenta, okay. We'll go I with that. <laughs> um, you know, she looks cool. I'm excited to see what she's doing in this movie. Um, I like it. It just doesn't scream Admiral to me. Yeah, this might be her more sort of fancy getup. You know, she might not wear this getup when she's doing admirally things. I could see, like, maybe she's on Canto Bite for some reason, and this is what she wears. Um, so we'll see about that. We'll see about that one. Um, after that, we... Take a Go ahead, I think bud. anyone's gonna wear color on Canto Bright because I'm or Canto Bright. Uh, I think everyone in those other pictures was wearing black and white, right? Mm-hmm. And that makes me wonder if, even more, if that might be sort of her Canto Bite getup because it'd make her stand out. Okay. Yeah. In, in that sort of crowd of black and white, <clears throat> you know, sort of the Star Wars uh, take on tuxedos and stuff. Um, yeah. But who knows? There's also been a Lego leak that we may talk about if we have time this evening. I wanted to save that towards the end because it's a little more spoiler-related than this other stuff. And just for anybody that's super sensitive about this thing, there are those sort of things I wanted to save it. But in that, it shows her in a different <clears throat> outfit that I think would be more her sort of admirally military garb, I guess. Um, after that, we have what is one of the most mysterious pieces of information, I feel, that we got from this uh, Vanity Fair stuff, is our first look at Benicio Del Toro's character, who they say goes unnamed in the movie, but on the set, they call him DJ. And Ryan Johnson said that after you see the movie, you'll understand why they call him DJ. So let's talk about this for a second, buddy. First off, what do you think of the picture itself? It's a cool picture, but um, I mean, like I've been feeling kind of the whole time he was announced, I, I just, I still feel like this is going to take me out of the movie. I feel like this has taken me out of the movie and I haven't even seen the movie yet. Benicio Del Toro's a pretty dirty looking bastard most of the time. So this kind of looks like him just chilling <laughs> at his house to me. <laughs> so like yeah, if, if if Benicio Del Toro invited you over to his house and you walked in the door and saw that picture, not like like him uh, posed in that yeah, outfit and you'd just be like, "Oh, what's up, Benicio?" Yeah. Like, yeah, cool. You know, you can pack a bowl for me and give me a beer. <laughs> what's, what's up, Benicio? You got any cool stories to tell me about the making of uh, Usual Suspects? Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. It just, um, I, even in this picture, it just kind of takes me out of it. You're reading a Star Wars article. Laura Dern looks cool. She's got some purple-ass hair. 
come down here. Oh, you got dirty Benicio del Toro. All right. So well. that's that's always going to be sort of one of the things we're going to run into in this era of Star Wars, where they're clearly going to start casting some more well-known people for, you know, not necessarily main roles, but significant well, smaller roles like Forrest Whitaker, Benicio del Toro, Laura Dern, um, Woody Harrelson, and well, it, and I, to I me, felt the same way about um, uh, damn it, Sylvester Stallone being in Guardians of the Galaxy, even Kurt Russell too, and I had no problem with that. I thought the the Starhawk little cameo from Sylvester. Mr. Stallone was awesome, and uh, Kurt Russell as Ego was stellar. I, I can't do any better than that, as I'm concerned. But yeah, it, it really, really comes down to performance. Like, Saul Guerrero in Rogue One was by no means my favorite character. I didn't walk away from that movie or roll away from that movie thinking, oh, yeah, Saul Guerrero's <laughs> the dude. Like, that's my man. But I also wasn't sitting there going, that's Forrest Whitaker the whole time. So it was successful yes, in that regard. I um, like Forrest Whitaker, though. Oh, I do, too. I, he does a pretty good job. Well, I mean, to be uh, honest, I, I like Forrest Whitaker. I like Forrest Whitaker. I like Benicio Del Toro. All right. I don't have anything against him. I like Woody Harrelson. I like Laura Dern. It's just when you when you're so familiar with these people and they've been in so many other movies that you've seen, sometimes it can be hard to separate. But uh, with your example of Sylvester Stallone and Kurt Russell, for, and Big Trouble in Little China is one of my favorite movies of all time. So it would have been really easy for me to get sucked out and go, "That's fucking Jack Burton," but it didn't happen. Now I will be honest, uh, Sylvester Stallone, I loved his you know, little role in Guardians. But when he first showed up and started talking, I was like, yep, that's Sylvester. And that's just well, because he was he was upset and doing the whole like yelling while he's talking thing. <laughs> it's, just, it's never over. Yeah. It's never over. Mm-hmm. You wear the same colors as me? Yeah. Well, the thing, okay, <laughs> the thing that really bothers me though, I guess, is that Okay, so you got Dirty Benicio Del Toro. That's kind of what he plays all the time, I mean, from what I've seen him in. I haven't seen much of him, but, I mean, he's always playing a drug dealer or a, you know, or a druggie or, you know, something of that nature right around there. And this is exactly what this picture kind of seems reminds to be you telling of. me. Yeah. yeah. So what do you think you know DJ I mean? might stand for? Dirty Junkie? <laughs> uh, our, our buddy Aaron Boyd suggested perhaps it's dad jeans. Dad jeans, nice. <laughs> no, those don't look like dad jeans. No, no. He's, uh, got a, he's got a gun holster strapped to it. The proprietor of so Shotgun Digital or Shot Glass Digital or whatever would never be seen in a pair of nice looking pants like that. Um, I've seen. Well, maybe he's just a DJ, and that's why they call I cannot see him actually being a DJ. I'm if they show this motherfucker DJ in the movie, I'm walking out. <laughs> um, you know, I've seen people say Dark Jedi. Uh, I don't see it. Um, 
the one I'm currently leaning towards that I'm most uh, a fan of, my buddy Michael and I were talking about this and and um, and stuff, is maybe it's Don Juan. You know, uh, when he was initially cast and some of the original reports that Making Star Wars had about this character was that he was a, a Lando type of character. And, you know, Don Juan would not be a bad um, description for Lando or that type of character either. So, you know, maybe he's just real smooth with the ladies. Don Juan de la Nooch. De la Nooch. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, okay, so when, I guess I'm having a hard time understanding here. When they say that he goes unnamed throughout the movie, so are, are we, does that, does that, um, does that include DJ? Are we not going to hear DJ in the movie either? That's what I, un- uh, from what I understand, what, what I take away from the article, he is completely unnamed from the, in the movie and in, um, including DJ and that that's just okay, what he's so known as on just set. talking about what DJ would mean as far as behind the scenes goes. Right. I don't ever think that I don't think that they would really be like, you know, oh, by the way, my name is Don Juan. No, I don't think his real name is Don Juan. I just think if his code name on set is DJ, maybe that's what it stands for. It's kind of weird that they would shorten up his name like that and use like an acronym for a stage name, though. You know what I mean? Yeah, it, it makes me wonder if there's something weird going on with him. And that's very possible. And by weird, I mean some sort of reveal about his character or something to that effect. The fact that he is unnamed is weird to me. And it makes me wonder, like, how do you do a figure if he's unnamed? You know, what do you put on the packaging? I know that's a weird thing to think about, but you can't just put you know, Benicio in this costume in a Black Series box and not have a character name. Well, um, you could, and then it would save Hasbro some money to where they would actually be able to ship you <laughs> some figures to the store you're looking to go to. Yeah, yeah, save a little on those printing costs. Now, he may be unnamed, but he could still have a title. So, like, maybe that's... I know that sounds like you're splitting hairs or it's a weird... Um, yeah, that sounds like cheating. Yeah, it sounds kind of like cheating, but maybe he you has a hammer. You know, for a lack of better term, like maybe he's the collector. Like that's not going to be. But you know, what's the collector's name? I figured it out, dude. What? They're going to be on Canto Bite, right? Right. Nice lavish place. He's going to roll up his sleeves. Don Johnson. Oh shit. Don Johnson. <laughs> maybe it's Dong. Johnson. Dong Johnson. Dick Jammer. Dick Richard Jumper. Jammer. <laughs> Dick Jumper. <laughs> Dingus Jamariquai. Hmm. We'll move on from that. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, we have what I consider to be maybe the goofiest picture, and that is Kylo. Uh, like doing the fist pump with his saber. So did you see the tweet that I put out when these came out? Mm-mm. I put him next to uh, the uh, Breakfast Club alum. There. Oh, okay. Judd Nelson or no? Judd Nelson walking out the uh, football field. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's okay. the first thing I thought of. 
Yeah, I can see that. Um, I was trying real hard to put a lightsaber in uh, his <coughs> hand, and it wasn't working out. Uh, the, um, you know, it, 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 the pose is a little goofy, but it is a nice look at his costume. Um, I do like the cape. I just, uh, like we talked about earlier, I still think I preferred sort of the layered robes look that he had going on. I and, like that robe because it looked so beat up, and it was it was real thick, and it was that um, that weird heavy duty material. Yeah, almost quilted looking. I loved it. Yeah, I don't um, know why they're going with the cape. It's kind of strange to me. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I mean, I understand they're probably trying to slowly move him to looking more like Darth Vader, and that is a very Darth Vader-like cape, for sure. So, Well, I mean, personally, it's like, I don't see a hood on this thing, right? If I was going to have him in the second movie be without his uh, mask prim- or uh, his helmet or whatever for most of the movie, mm-hmm. man, toss a hood over your head sometimes. Yeah, for sure. For real. Because that would look cool, too. Um, He's got the cool long hair. He's got a big old freaking sweet scar on his face. It's that whole little controversy about the scar is stupid. I don't think we should talk about that. But yeah. anyway. I yeah. mean, sorry, but hoods look cool, man. <laughs> they sure do. They sure do. Um, and then the last picture is just the... It's the same one from the cover. It's moved around a little bit of... Phasma, Hux, and um, and Kylo. Hux has a crazy part going on in his hair. Like, he slicked that shit down. That's his, like, oh, shit, my Starkiller base got blown up. I better get my hair tight look. Ted, how did you feel about Hux in TFA? I loved him. I thought he was, okay. I thought he was really good, and I thought his performance was really good. Um... I wanted to see more of him sort of butting heads with Kylo. But then again, you know, you've got a whole trilogy to do that. I would be really surprised if we don't see more of that in this movie. Well, I think you got to build a... Uh, they need to have some kind of reveal that they have a deeper relationship than we're thinking they do. Right. I think that would be epic. Have them... I don't know. Just something, something uh, to where they know each other a lot better than bickering coworkers. Yeah, I think that would work out real well. Yeah, for sure. I want to see more of their dynamic, and so I'm excited about that. I, to be honest, of all the new characters that were introduced in The Force Awakens, there wasn't one that I walked away being like, eh, I could do without them. I thought they really hit it out of the park as far as introducing new characters and getting us invested in them. Is Hux at the top of my list? No. But damn, does he not nail that fucking Nazi shit speech on Starkiller base. Like, <laughs> so my stepson this is probably about half a year ago. It was after the movie was out on DVD or uh, Blu-ray and whatever already. It's one day I'm sitting there in the kitchen or something and I hear him in the other room, and he's reciting that verbatim. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Eight, eight years old. I'm like, where the hell did you learn? I don't even know that. <laughs> you know? Getting all mad and stuff, about to blow out his it voice. Was, it was hilarious. He was doing the little, little accent, tossing that in there and stuff. It was great. 
<laughs> That's real funny. Um, he, he loves Star Wars. I have to be like the, uh, I have to be the Pablo Hidalgo in the house. I've had to take away Star Wars books from him. Oh, really? Because As like punishment or something? Would, no, he would go snag them in the middle of the night, and or not in the middle of the night, but when he's supposed to be going to bed, be sitting over there reading a book. And he loves to read, which I love, but it's to the point where, I mean, what kid gets, <laughs> what kid likes to read so much to the point where they get in trouble for it? <laughs> it's, it's the strangest thing, especially as a parent. Like, you're not allowed to read that one, you little turd. <laughs> <No. laughs> yeah, yeah, look, if there's gonna be something, your your son's gonna get in trouble for it. Might as be well, might as well be for reading. Like, like that's <laughs> of all funny, things. Like, all the things that I would imagine bitching at my kid about, reading was not one of them. Hey, s- stop expanding your vocabulary and your your intelligence. Go play a video game. <laughs> <laughs> See, that makes it it makes it seem like I'm from where Johnny thinks you're from. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> where Johnny thinks I, where I'm from, and Ben Hart from the Star Wars Underworld, apparently. Um, hey y'all, you bastards reading that black book? Damn! You put them funny fucking books down, and you go shoot something. <laughs> All right. Bring me back a skull in thirty minutes. You're done, son. <laughs> All right. So, um, besides the big article, um, where they mention things like. That there is a indigenous race of carekeeper or caretakers that Luke is interacting with on Octu. And if you are up on your making Star Wars spoilers, I'm sure you know exactly what those are. I'll let you go to their site to uh, look at those. But um, cannot wait to see that. Uh, me neither. Me neither. Um, and. What else do they bring up? Oh, uh, Rose. They mention her last name as being Tico. So it's Rose Tico. And she has a sister who is a gunner in the Resistance whose name is Paige. So Rose and Paige Tico. That's cool. That, that's also a tie-in to some uh, spoilery things that Jason brought to light. Mm-hmm. And also... Um, Oscar Isaacs has Oscar Isaac has a really funny story about one day when they were filming, and this is a funny Carrie Fisher story. Apparently, there's a scene where Leia slaps Poe, and apparently Carrie Fisher got no lack of uh, enjoyment out of slapping the shit out of Oscar Isaacs like tw- <laughs> twenty seven times. He said it took him about twenty seven takes, and she just loved every minute of it, man. We, as Star Wars fans, you know, it it always sucks when someone that you look up to or someone that's been in these movies you love so much passes away. But this one is a big one. We lost someone real special when Carrie Fisher passed away. So, yeah, and it's not that she's just in the movie, you know, it's that she's an awesome person. Yeah. I'm a pretty big, smart ass, kind of an asshole. And, man, (laughs) she's just like my kind of lady yeah awesome and i'm talking shit all the time she just she's just out to have a good time no matter what she's an advocate for or she was an advocate for you know um 
mental illness and drug abuse and alcohol abuse and just she's done nothing but good. You know, even when she's doing bad, she was honest about it. Mm-hmm. And she was honest about needing help and she was honest about you know pretty much saying if you're like me not that I'm saying don't be like me but you know do the things that are going to get you some help yeah and you're not alone and I mean that's great she's a great actor she's a great person and it's it sucks that we lost her so soon yeah and and to be honest like um you know, it, it's sad to see these and realize that this is probably, you know, the last photo shoot that we'll get with Carrie Fisher. I'm sure there were some official promotional, you know, shots taken, you know, by the Lucasfilm crew. But like this, the, on this level, this Vanity Fair article with these amazing shots um, by an amazing photographer, like, it's sad that we, you know, this is the last time we'll get it. But I'm so glad they they were able to do those before she passed away because the results are outstanding. I mean, these Vanity Fair articles with uh, Annie Leibovitz doing the the photography are always great, but and I'm sure a lot of it has to do with the fact that of Carrie's passing, but something about these, man, just seem perfect in a way. Like, it's so exciting. Um, <clears throat> but uh, some other things that came up reported by Vanity Fair. And this is one that I found very interesting. They were talking with Kathleen Kennedy about how well The Force Awakens was received and how well the characters of Rey and Kylo and Finn were received and how, you know, that could have gone either way. And before The Force Awakens came out, like I was on the podcast, I was always saying, as long as we relate to and they nailed those characters, then we're in good shape. And I feel like they did. And um, she says in that, um, I gather what you're saying is that there are more opportunities with those characters. And yes, that's a possibility too. That's what we're looking at. Where do we go with the saga? Does the saga extend beyond the nine movies that George envisioned? And the interviewer says, well, does it? And she says, we are having discussions about that right now. So, and he also brings up, you know, well, does it necessarily have to be in trilogies? Can't you get rid of the, you know, trilogy format? And she says, these are questions we're asking. They haven't been answered yet. I always think it's important to try to answer the why. You can make any movie you want, and certainly inside Star Wars, now we can do a wide variety of things. But what exactly is the story we feel is important to tell beyond Episode Nine? I think we have to answer that before we know whether we're going to carry on. <clears throat> and he says, but even if for whatever reason you choose to, do, to put the saga on ice for a while, are you committed to continuing on with the story movies? And she says, absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, that, that only makes sense that they're exploring the possibility of continuing on with the you know, saga films after uh, episode nine. I hope they do. I would be okay with them taking somewhat of a break. I don't want a 10-year break. You know, a three to five-year break in between episode um, nine and 10 with spinoff movies in between would be totally fine with me. Um, 
But uh, the way this trilogy is sort of shaking out now where we're introduced to Ray and all the new characters and we get a very Han Solo heavy movie in episode seven. And then the story continues on where we learn more about these new characters. But, you know, it, it sounds like Luke is going to be a very central character in this movie. I kind of get the feeling that this entire trilogy is the process of passing the torch on to the new characters. So mm. I would like to see a follow-up trilogy to this where it's the new characters, Ray, Finn, Poe, anybody that makes it out of this trilogy alive, really take that torch and, and have a trilogy of their own, for lack of a better term. So, I mean, where do you, where do you think that would end, though? I mean... You want to see just three more after that, or because I mean, are you going to want to see Ray and Finn and Poe hand over the, you know, for another trilogy? See, I when I when I think about it, mm -hmm. I I want more Star Wars, but at the same time, like I just went and watched this Alien Covenant, right? I don't know if you've seen that yet. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet, so I cut off your podcast when y'all started <laughs> talking about that one because I'm trying to say, <laughs> um, it's spoiler free as possible on that one. Um, but you, you feel free to, to use that as an analogy. Just, well, just even, even before that, um, it's, it, you got to the point where, you know, Prometheus kicked in and it's, or even resurrection, the fourth one, which is terrible, by the way, it's the worst. And, one. uh, so, but they just start stretching things out and they try and answer these questions and they just try and fit so much shit into these movies to where they're just trying to answer all the questions to where there's no more questions to ask anymore. Right. And I think with star Wars, it's, it's going to always be important <clears throat> to have those stories out there that are not told because that leaves you plenty of room as a fan to speculate and have a good time and, and wonder, Oh, what was the battle of Tanab? Uh, what would happen with, King Prana when he wanted uh, Han and his crew to go capture the Rathars. Like, oh, yeah. I don't. That's. I mean, that's part of the problem though too. Is that in this day and age, especially with the internet and all that stuff, and all these movies coming out and sequels, and we all have to know everything. We want to know everything. I mean, people are hounding Pablo Hidalgo because they want to know. They want to know everything, and it's like, well, what happens when you get everything? See, that's the thing. And I never want... Criticizing about how much you got. Right. I never want um, everything when it comes to Star Wars. I like the mystery of Star Wars. Like, you know, I'll use an analogy. My favorite show of all time, Lost. A lot of people got upset that not everything from the show was answered by the end of the show. But to me, that makes its legacy last longer if they don't spell everything out for to a T. And I totally agree that where if we keep continuing on this Star Wars saga, that we run the risk of that. But that's why it makes me hopeful that they're they're not just immediately like <laughs> planning another trilogy after this. They're they're waiting to see if the right story comes up. And something else, with something as mystical and mysterious as the Force, I think when you're playing around with something that, you can always raise more questions and, and bring up new stuff to keep it fresh. And as long as well, they do that, 
then I want to <clears throat> see these characters continue on. I, look, if if I'm a 60-year-old man and they're putting out Star Wars Episode 20, like, fuck, I'll go see it, man, and I'll be stoked about it. Um, well, it's like, um, you know, for example, I mean, coming back to this article, right? There mm-hmm. was uh, – or no, it wasn't even in the article, I don't think. I think it was in – they had um, on that same day that the article came out, they had a Reddit AMA question and answer with the uh, journalist right. who did the article. And one of the questions was about it was something to do with Snoke. And they said that um, Ryan Johnson had told – I forget the name. Uh, something Camp, right? They had told him that uh, don't expect much <laughs> Snoke in this movie pretty much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it was like, I mean, even me, the first thought was like, ah, oh, shit, you know? Well, I, I... I want me some Snoke, man. I want to know what the hell's... I, I want to know everything. I, I, I do. I want to know everything. Right. We're all a bunch of little spoiled brats these days, and we want to know everything, but... And then we learn everything, and we're like, oh, I don't know if I like that or not, you know? But, and then you think about it, we didn't know shit about the Emperor, until the prequels, pretty much. Right. That's what I was going to say is, like, if you look at what we knew about the Emperor just from A New Hope, Empire, and Jedi, we didn't know shit about him after those three movies. And I wouldn't be surprised if they approached that with in a similar way uh, with these movies. Now, when he says, I think we're going to get more Snoke screen time than we did in The Force Awakens, it'd almost be hard it's not to. not going to get backstory. Yeah, yeah. And 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 I think I think that's what the difference is too. We got a lot more Snoke screen time than we ever did with the Emperor in A New Hope cuz we never saw him at all. Right. So So right off the bat we got this new character that's this big ominous looking dude sitting in a throne, you know, barking all the orders and we know nothing about him. Yeah. And it just sets it aside from the original trilogy because, like I said, we didn't get any of the Emperor right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just some some vague mentions of him on the Death Star, you know, that the Emperor had dissolved the Senate. Um, yeah. And things like that. So, yeah, you know, I'm like you. I want to know about Snoke so bad, but if I got to wait, if if waiting means we get... It more it, it, it's better thought out and it, it you know it's not just sort of thrown together then I'm willing to wait um and, and the weird thing about Snoke is I don't think we can go the rest of our Star Wars fandom life without knowing at least a general sense of his backstory and yeah and so I think we'll get it eventually and to me like it almost has to be in a movie in some way because you know, if it's in a book, if we get nothing on Snoke through episode nine and then they flesh out his backstory in a book, I mean, yeah, that's cool. I'd be excited to read that book, but it's not as cool as seeing it in the movie or hearing it in the movie. Just the books and comics and stuff, I've been real unhappy with their rollout so far. I was real stoked when they were doing the, you know, before The Force Awakens came out. I mean, they had some pretty cool stuff coming out and it was all new. Mm-hmm. And it was all supposed to be canon and all that stuff, and just the they just keep loading it on us more and more and more, and 
there's some stuff that just changes the story. That's, I mean, that's the one thing that I love about Star Wars so much. It's a giant story over different types of media that all put it all together. Mm-hmm. And there's very, there's very few franchises or things that do that to the extent that Star Wars does. And they started dissecting stuff and tossing in these little, um, little quips about. I mean, like uh, for instance, in what was it? Um, the the Star Wars self-titled comic book. I think it was issue one or two. They show Luke come into contact with Darth Vader, and they have a little, they have <coughs> a, a little tiny duel in the hallway. Mm-hmm. I hated that. Yeah, yeah, and. It takes away from the movies, and I think my main problem is is they rolled all this stuff out way too quickly, and they're dealing in a certain time frame for the most part, which it's fine if you're going to release you know one or two things in that time frame, and I understand why they're doing it in that time frame. They don't want to give us anything in between those 30 years between Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens because – they want to unroll or uh, unravel all this stuff that we're getting now in the movies before they get to that. It makes sense. If they're going to go back, we need to know what's going on now. Mm-hmm. Or whatever, you know, well, before that's... we can go back and figure out how we got there. It's the same thing they did with the prequels. Mm-hmm. I mean, to me, the prequels worked in that way perfectly fine. But they're, it's you. You can only fill that small, those two small gaps that are in between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope, and in between uh, New Hope and Empire Strikes Back with so much stuff, and they've already done so much stuff. Yeah, that's. I'm ready for them to stop focusing on those two eras, really, because I don't want to know what happened every day in between A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back. I don't need to know what Luke and Leia and Han and Chewie and all these characters were up to every minute in between those new movies. I'm all for some stories being said in between there, but like I'm already done with that, man. Like To me, the strongest comics that they've done have been the miniseries because with those miniseries, like... It's yeah. an adventure. It's one little adventure. Yeah, like, you know, like the Han Solo miniseries, which I just recently finished, was really solid. And, yeah, it was set in between A New Hope and Empire, but it was just like a real solid, you know, little Han Solo story. The, I haven't finished waiting for the last, waiting for the last issue to come on uh, Unlimited, Marvel Unlimited. Um, same thing with the Lando story, the Lando comic. I thought it was good. Um, I'm excited about the Mace Windu comic because, once again, you know, Mace Windu's not my favorite character ever, but it's going to an era that there, it's not been so heavily explored in the last, you know, four or five years since Disney bought Star Wars or, or bought Lucasfilm. Oh, and Kanan. I loved Kanan because they took a new character. So you're already, you're already setting yourself outside anything that happened to any of the um, original characters, prequels or, you know, uh, original trilogy, you can set him completely aside. 
mm-hmm. and they're working in a time frame that was big enough to where they can explore most of his life. And that was a great comic book. Yeah. It just they they spread it out in a way that it led too close up to Rebels to where they kind of had to stop. Yeah, and then um you know, the Anakin and Obi-Wan comic I thought was good. Um, yeah, that was pretty uh, I'm I'm looking forward to the Captain Phasma comic. Like I'm all for. Well, and again, the the Anakin one that was another one that was it was a quick little mini series that mm-hmm. was an isolated adventure that really had no uh, no no big implications on the things that already were. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, with them continuing. Uh, the movies past nine. Um, the thing is, is I don't eventually, unless they take a crazy break, and I'm talking years and years where we come back to these characters and see a much older Ray, Finn, and Poe, and see them um, pass the torch on. I'd actually like to see them, you know, maybe even go hundreds of years in the future, and we pick up an episode, you know, what? like maybe episode 13 or something like that. And it's descendants like far, you know, two or three generations down. It doesn't have to be the exact next generation uh, of, of characters. But I think if you do something like that and separate yourself further, you can raise more questions. You can leave certain things that maybe necessarily we don't need spelled out for us unanswered. And, you know, the universe will feel different and fresh as far as technology and planets and political standpoints and all that. So, um, Well, another thing they could do, too, is do it um, kind of like how they did with Rogue One, I guess, where you're in the same. They can do it doesn't necessarily have to be part of the saga films. But have it kind of be like on a another part of the galaxy, but at mm-hmm. the same time. So you could have the the Force Awakens era maybe set on Hosnian Prime before it explodes, or you know. And if they want it, they can use that to kind of explore. Because a lot of people were, it's funny because people hated all the politics in the uh, in the prequel but then they were complaining that they didn't have enough politics as far as understanding what was happening on Hosnian Prime when they yeah. destroyed it. Yeah. So maybe you can show a political kind of thriller or something set on Hosnian Prime before they blew it up or you know something like that. Something that would run parallel to the trilogy we just got. Yeah, and and I think that's a really exciting prospect that's on the horizon with the completion of this trilogy with Episode Nine, is that once Episode Nine comes out, I fully believe that's when we will start seeing that gap in between Jedi and The Force Awakens filled in a little bit. Like, like I said, I don't need every single one of those 30 years explained, but I do want to know some of the stuff that's gone on. And we've gotten a little bit of that in the new canon stuff with Aftermath and the Bloodline and Bloodline <clears throat> and things like that. But I, I think once that movie comes out, they'll be free to sort of explore that area more. And honestly, I think that's when we'll start getting maybe TV shows or animated 
series or movies or and stuff like that set in that time a little more often that's like what i'm really looking forward to what i'm looking forward to is a animated series that is set probably about i don't know somewhere in the five to ten years after return of the jedi that is just nothing but luke skywalker adventure and if you can get mark hamill to do the voice all the best awesome Awesome. Yeah, and and the thing is, is like, I think the reason they're, I mean, clearly the reason they're holding off on that is because they want to wait until they resolve this story in episode in in this trilogy, so anything they do doesn't step on its toes. Because you know, always the movies will always take precedent over all the other stuff, with the animation and TV shows coming second, at least in my mind. And, you know, they they want to make sure not to step on their toes and mess anything that the filmmakers might want to do. So, you know, honestly, once the script for episode nine is like completely locked and they they actually talk about how, you know, uh, Colin Trevorrow actually turned in a script for episode nine in December of last year, right before Carrie died. And, you know with her passing away, they've had to rework that. Um, and apparently episode nine will be starting filming in January of next year. So only about seven months or so before they start filming episode nine. Um, once that's in place, then I could see them start to play around with that era a little more. And, uh, and then, you know, like I said, once that movie comes out, then it's probably free reign on that era. Um, and, and you got to wonder, because they kind of make it seem like, well, Luke wasn't up to a whole, whole lot in between Jedi and The Force Awakens. He was adventuring around the galaxy, starting a new Jedi Order. But to me, that sounds like a cool premise for an animated show, where it's almost like Indiana Skywalker, where he's going around and exploring Jedi ruins and finding Force-sensitive students to train and uh, his interactions with the young Ben. You know, to me, there's a lot of cool things they could do. And it doesn't even have to fully be focused on Luke. Like, you could also show, you know, some of the political stuff Leia's up to and what Han's up to. And, you know, introduce new characters to us and show us their adventures. So, I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, Kathleen Kennedy also says in this same little section that they are basically circling two spin-off movie ideas for the 2020 Star Wars movie and that they will be deciding on those shortly. So it sounds yeah, like they said by the by the end of June, right? I think it said something like that or or maybe it was a more vague sort of summer term, but it sounds to me like they are getting closer to announcing or deciding at least what the oh, next yeah, spin-off that... will be. That's that's what I was figuring was going to happen is that they were going to because they I mean they were talking about uh, they were having their meetings in January about what they were going to do about nine finishing up eight and the spinoff movies right right, right. after Carrie Fisher died they were supposed to have that big meeting right and um, I mean obviously we didn't get any information about it at celebration the next logical thing. D23. Yeah. So having 
an answer by the end of June just makes too much sense to roll it out. What D twenty three is the second week of July. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It in in uh it in San Diego Comic Con are only like a week apart, I think. Have they announced that they're doing anything for Comic Con? No, they haven't. I think it's pretty safe to assume because I think in twenty fifteen when D23 and comic because D23 is every other year, right? It's yeah. not every year. I think when that came about in 2015, you know, they did stuff at D23 and Comic Con. Personally, I think D23 is probably going to be the one where you get more stuff. If I had to, fee- if I had to guess, and this is just me, you know, sort of pulling this out of my ass, like I think. Uh, Comic-Con might be, there might be a Last Jedi panel where they bring up the cast and maybe show a behind-the-scenes reel. And yeah, just like they did for The Force Awakens. Yeah, so something similar to that. And then D23, you know, they might release the trailer for The Last Jedi and then we'll get updates on sort of Star Wars as a whole, whereas we could get the next... Uh, animated or not animated a uh, spinoff movie announced we could get you know some information on definitely some more information on star wars land that's the, the place to do that is D23. oh yeah and i the from what i've seen the way they do d23 is when they do like the star wars stuff it's all kind of coupled in with the marvel stuff and I think it's just called, like, the live-action Disney panel. Oh, really? I believe so. Okay. And I think they just kind of roll it all out in little segments throughout the one panel. I might be mistaken. (laughs) Okay. Well, that's cool. But I'm pretty sure last time I looked, because I was looking at prices and stuff, because I'm out of San Diego. And uh, that's one of the ones I figured I could take the kids to and they actually might enjoy themselves because they got all the princesses and I got two daughters. Mm-hmm. So, uh, On a side note, you posted a video shortly after celebration of uh, one of your daughters calling you Calvin. <laughs> and like I, I was like, Jesse, you got to come see this. This shit is so funny and so cute. Yeah. You got to see this. Puts her, <laughs> puts her hand on her hip. Mm-hmm. Calvin. And I was like scolds me <laughs> i was like holy shit i saw that exact same thing happen but it was stephanie instead of your daughter like <laughs> i was like oh my god it's it's a little stephanie i know it's terrible uh, isn't it can we just go back to star <laughs> wars celebration like i think in 2019 in 2019 we should all just barricade ourselves in the arena and just live wherever they have yeah. star wars celebration because man i mean if i could have star wars celebration every day coupled with like a babysitter every day so when the kids go to bed i could still go out and hang out with you guys and get wasted and stuff oh we fucking awesome that's the life that is the life <clears throat> boy did we have a good time at celebration buddy man oh man yes sir so um one last thing i wanted to hit on with the vanity fair stuff um and i'm sure i passed over a lot uh, Will will be ne- back next week so we can discuss anything I missed. Um, Calvin and I are running a little long, and there are several emails actually this week that are specifically addressed to Will. So we're probably not going to do emails this week, and with what I assume will be a slower news week, we'll get all you guys' emails caught up when Will's back. Um, 
but they also put out an article the five things that are in the last five things that are and are not in the last jedi <clears throat> so they said uh, these are the things that are a glamorous casino city called canto bite so that makes me wonder is the planet canto bite or is just this casino city canto bite to me it sounds like it's just the city it says casino city mhm it says a glamorous casino city called canto bite and so this is from um, Vanity Fair as well. Mm-hmm. Huh. I thought I could have swore I saw that it said Casino Planet on like a Ryan Johnson quote. Maybe it is. And you know, it's all from semantics. Um, uh, uh, characters played by Laura Dern and Benicio Del Toro. So this is what he said. Dern plays Vice Admiral Holdo, a high-ranking official in the Resistance. Del Toro plays a quote-unquote shady character in Johnson's word of unclear allegiances. The character's name is never uttered in the film, but Johnson and his team refer to him as DJ. You'll see there's a reason why we call him DJ, Johnson says. Uh, A major new character, who is, of course, Rose, played by Kelly Marie Tran. Loads of loads and loads of actual hand-built sets and a, supposedly this movie control contains more hand-built sets than the force awakens or rogue one um, oh we're going with the practical effects bullshit again yeah you notice how they, they <laughs> <laughs> and you we know got what, more if so I, i'm actually uh, a big proponent of cg in CGI work in movies, that's actually what I went to college to do was computer animation. I've always been a fan of it. Um, but if there's one thing that I feel like benefits from not being CG, it's sets. To me, the sets, when they're, when they're hand-built and there's actually an atmosphere that they build on a, a soundstage or in a real location, I feel like that's just more beneficial to the actors and the movie as a whole. Um, yeah, uh, when they do that, when they like, there's parts in the prequels and stuff that, like, um, uh, in Attack of the Clones. I mean, there's a whole bunch of them, but uh, in that diner and stuff, right? And Dexter's giant terrible. So you see the you see the the you know the actual people and stuff, and it just looks like a weird, terribly done 3D pop out. Right. Sitting on, you know, it looks like a pop-up book or something. Sitting there uh, just way up forward, and then you see the background way in the back, and Mm -hmm. it looks unnatural. But they're supposed to be standing next to this table or something that's supposed to be inches away, but it looks off. And And they've got such a amazing crew of artists and professionals and stuff working on these movies that I want to see, you know, the badass creature design shop and Neil Scanlon's team and, you know, prop makers and set builders come together and fuse that with amazing CGI from um, ILM. And, and I think when they do that is the best way to go about that. Like, there's def. I think it's a good middle ground in between the way the movies were are made in the original trilogy era and the prequel era, because there's just certain things that like 
are always going to look better done practically. Just like there's always, like you're, I feel like there's always going to be things that are always, are better done with CGI. Like I think a, a big badass space battle, like in Rogue One, there wasn't a single physical X-Wing model or Star Destroyer model, but damn, did that space battle look amazing. And like the CG was incredible. So, you know, I, I just want to yeah, see like them. The... Go ahead, bud. Oh, no, continue. I was just saying, I, I just want to see them, you know, sort of merge the two filmmaking techniques into to get the best possible product. And, you know, if, if they've got a really wacky alien design that they can only do for uh, in CG, I'm down with that. But if they have a really cool alien design that they can pull off convincingly as a puppet or a costume, then I'm down with that. You know, I just want to see him use the oh, yeah. the best tool for the job. Yeah, and uh, I mean, you kind of made the point I was going to make. There's situations where they can use both, and it looks amazing for it. Like uh, Uncar Plutt. I mean, Uncar Plutt, they used mainly practical effects, and then they did some of the movement on his face with all the CG and I, I think they kind of did like some wrinkles and stuff on his skin or whatever on his arms. And, uh, and then you compare it to Snoke that they did all CG. I wasn't impressed with Snoke. You know, honestly, I think they, they didn't need to do Snoke CG at all. I don't think you could have got a real tall skinny dude to sit in a chair and put a, Big old fake scar on his face. Yeah, and uh, I mean, uh, and the ramp up on the ramp up to the Force Awakens, they made it just seem like there is no way possible that we could have done this. And you know, this dude is seven feet tall and whatever. It's like the dude sitting there. Yeah, and I think I, mean, uh, I think we're gonna get a different look at Snoke in Episode Eight. Um, and that's the only reason I can see them justifying it in that manner yeah yeah and you know the thing is is it might have just been easier for them to do him cgi since he was just a hologram um but you know if the rumors coming out of making star wars are true and and like i said before there's no reason to think that they're not it looks like we might be getting a practical version of snoke and that excites me a whole lot to see that. I, I can't wait to see that. It excites me and scares me at the same time because that yeah. could look goofy. So, well, but, s- I mean, something tells me that it should look pretty cool. Yeah, and, and something tells me that they're, you know, they seem to be pretty on the ball with making sure stuff looks right. So, something tells me if they got on the stage and filmed a big puppet version of Snoke and then you know, they got the dailies back and looked at it and they were like, that shit looks fucked up. I'm sure it would be fairly easy for them to just redo that as CG. So, you know. Um, And then going on to uh, five things that are not in Star Wars, in The Last Jedi. A big central to the plot romance. Okay. That makes sense. It's probably going to be now, when they say central to the plot, I think he's sort of referring to the Han and Leia romance in uh, Empire. Um, I don't think that that doesn't mean there won't be hints of it, of connections between different characters and things. Um, well, I just don't see why we need it. 
I mean, I don't think we do need it. I think that it, um, you know, it has its place if it works in the story. But yeah, like you said, I don't think we necessarily have to have it. And uh, it's like, I mean, the internet went on fire with, a, you know, right after the movie came out. Oh, you know, Poe and Finn going to get together? They actually is, specifically uh, uh, mentioned that one in this part. Yep. Yeah, is Poe is you know is Poe and Ray gonna get together? Is you know they, everyone was trying to put everyone in a relationship, and I don't think it's necessary. Yeah. And then it's at, I mean, the same people would probably get pissed off if they showed a relationship that they didn't like. So who cares? It's not getting, you know it's not gonna make or break the story. I mean, it can add an emotional element. It's not necessary. Yeah. You can have, I mean. Star Wars is more about the building of a family more than it is about the romance. Right. I mean, the romance between Han and Leia was a subplot. They didn't have to have it in there. It it, it worked well because of the it worked well more because of the sexual tension and the build up to the relationship than anything else. Right. And in if they just tried to replicate that relationship between two other characters, I just don't think, you know, that specific style of relationship, I just think, A, people would be like, oh, it's just Empire Strikes Back again. And B, I just don't think you can repeat that. Like, it's done so well between Han and Leia that I don't want to see version 2.0 of that relationship. If they do go yeah. forward with some sort of romantic subplot, which I'm fine with, if they do, I just want to make sure that they do something, you know, sort of a fresh, you know, take on it and, and an interesting take. Um, there is no major creature character. Um, so, I mean, they, you know, well, that's not that big of a deal. Uh, no, so what, there's no, there's no Chewbacca then. Well, see, that's the thing. There's clearly <laughs> Chewbacca. So I, I guess they mean no new major creature character or. You know, no creature character that's going to get the amount of screen time that, say, a, a Finn or a Ray would get, um, or a Kylo or a Luke. I mean, it, it, that makes sense to me. Um, no new music from Lin Manuel Miranda, which is, <clears throat> you know, that's fine. I, I feel like he did his uh, his part doing the. Um... That was the Cantina song mm -hmm. or Mazda's Castle song. Yeah, Jabba something. Jabba flow. Um, Jabba flow. So that's totally fine. Um, and no revelation about Finn's potential force sensitivity. Um, yeah. So. See, I never got the impression after watching The Force Awakens that he was force sensitive whatsoever. I mean, that was a marketing thing. Yeah. It, as far it, as I'm concerned. It was all smoke and mirrors to, to try and put people off the scent that Ray was the one, you know? Um, yes, like so a good three out of those five, it's not going to happen things I didn't think was going to happen anyway, so yeah, I'm cool with it. Yeah, and, and that's totally fine. And, and you know, if, if they had decided to go the route where, you know, Finn wakes up from being injured and he's like, oh, shit, I'm Force-sensitive, I would have been okay with it. The more, you know, I love the Jedi and the Force users, so the more the merrier, in my opinion, but... It also isn't necessary for, necessary for me to like a character, so 
I like the character of Finn already. Whether he's force sensitive or not doesn't affect that. And see, I'm I'm worried for Finn. Oh, you are. Yeah. Uh He's in uh, some kind of coma inside a little chamber thing. Probably cruising through hyperspace. I just watched all kinds of alien movies. A fool's going to get sucked out of hyperspace real quick and end up on an alien planet. Uh Uh-oh. That would be fucked up. Well, he said something interesting in the article that uh, Finn definitely has a little trouble bouncing back. Like, when he comes out of the Bacta suit... Um, in episode eight, it's it's not an immediate thing where he comes out and he's he's a okay. It sounds like he has a little trouble getting fully back onto his feet. Um, well, that's good. I mean, that keeps it grounded. Yeah, and, and I'm interested to see how they handle that. You know, um, montage. Yeah, fucking training, training montage. There's going to be a training montage with uh, Ray training on Octu. There's going to be a tra- training montage with uh, Kylo and Snoke, and there's going to be a training montage with uh, Finn getting back on his feet. And it's all going to be set to, like, um, the Fight to Survive song from Bloodsport, but like a John Williams version. You heard it here first. Yeah, Kylo's going to be working out and shit, swinging his lightsaber around. Chopping Snoke's down trees. Be, Snoke's going to be clapping, right? And then Hux, <laughs> Hux, Hux is going to be... He's going to pan across Hux, and he's going to be standing there with his arms crossed, just scowling at him. (laughs) (laughs) Finn's going to start out with some, like, half-robot exoskeleton legs trying to walk on some balancing poles or whatever. Oh, perfect. (laughs) Sign me up now. I just want two hours of montage. And he's going to start boxing for some reason. (laughs) Running on the beach with Apollo Creed. How did that even happen? <laughs> He's going to be running on, on what's left of Scarif. <laughs> yeah, all decimated. Run past the like charred remains of Jen and Cassian. There's a cameo for you guys. Still hugging. <laughs> Easter egg. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think that's going to do it for us tonight, buddy. Thanks so much for uh, joining me and uh, helping fill in for Will. He kind of had to cancel on me a little last minute, so... No problem. uh, Called in some backup. Before we go, why don't you tell our good listeners where they can find your new podcast and where they can find you on all the social medias? All right. Well, uh, the podcast is called Pop Culture Underground, and we're uh, covering everything uh, movies, music, TV, gaming. Um, our first episode was a lot about Marvel. It was pretty Marvel-centric. Um, our last episode, episode two, was pretty much mainly about aliens. But, I mean, we cover some news and stuff in there. Uh, we are new at it. And hopefully it'll just keep getting better. I think we had a little better run on the second episode. But uh, you can find us at PCU Pod on Twitter. And pcupod at gmail.com for our email and um, Dallas Wood from the Bad Motivators is a co-host of mine and uh, a longtime friend of mine uh, Brandon Loader is also on the show co-hosting with us so we're uh, trying to get better every episode well, there you go and you are Mick Awesome SD on Twitter correct 
Correctamundo. All righty. Well, if you guys want to support the band who composed the music for our award-winning theme song, you can. And they are Stoned Cobra. And you can check them out on iTunes, on Spotify, and at stonedcobra.bandcamp.com. And uh, besides that, we'll see you next week. As uh, as I understand, Will will be back. And uh, anything I missed in this uh, Vanity Fair stuff, guys, I'm sorry. There's just a lot to take in. And I tried to hit the main points. Like I said, anything that I missed, we'll pick up next week. We'll cover maybe some Lego leaks next week. And we will get to all of you guys' voice messages and emails. And um, we'll see you then. So... Until then, this has been Blue Harvest, and I am Halls Burkhart. And I'm Calvin Russell. May the Force be with you. May the Force be with us.